good morning, afternoon, evening, night, whatever time it might be. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Chose Show podcast presented by TheSwallowReport.com. I'm your host, Jonathan Goto, a.k.a. J.G. Smooth. Hope everybody had a happy New Year's, happy holidays, is staying healthy and and safe. We are back. We have a one-on-one special. I'm very happy to present to you before we dive into it and bring on my guest. Um couple of quick things. If you listen to the Adam Doral initial thoughts video, um, I said then I was in the process of upgrading equipment. We have done so. Um, hopefully you can you can tell just by the audio itself, I should sound sharper, clearer, uh, more crisp. Uh, but because of that, we also have started a YouTube channel, the Cho Show Podcast Network, uh, where we are doing breakdowns uh, for signing day. We will have extended signing day coverage that goes beyond the Signing Day special podcast episode. I know last year's was two and a half hours long. So we're going to kind of break it down this year, utilize the Social Podcast Network YouTube channel uh, more. If you go over there now, which I highly encourage you all to, to please go check check it out. Uh, we have the 2021 season breakdowns positional. So quarterback all the way down to defensive back. Uh, really good stuff right there. Um and so again if you check it out like what you see please do leave a like on the video please do subscribe because we're going to be hitting a lot of content over there again on the Troll Show Podcast Network YouTube channel but without further ado I'm going to go ahead and bring on today's guest uh, you know just all around a great guy one of my favorite players on the team so without any further ado here is my guest I'm joined by University of Central Oklahoma senior H-back Dante McGee. Dante, thank you for taking time this morning to talk to me. Uh, could you start by telling the viewers and listeners a, a little bit about yourself? All right, so name's Dante McGee. Um, I'm from Yukon, Oklahoma. This is uh, finishing up my fifth year here at UCO, but I'll be returning for a sixth year because of COVID. Um, I guess a little bit about me. Uh, UCO, I didn't have too many offers coming out of high school. Uh, UCO was one of the only few that actually offered me. Um, I actually didn't play tight end before I got to UCO. I played um, a little bit of wide receiver, some safety, and uh, linebacker in high school. And then when I got to UCO, um, that first summer I gained 35 pounds. And so that kind of got me into my tight end body a little bit more. And, uh, you know, kind of since then, I just kind of, you know, fell into the time position, kind of grown in it, learned, and I feel like I've really thrived in it so far. So, okay, you, know, you, you said you gained 35 pounds freshman year, so did you just, like, live in the weight room or something? What, what? That's a, that's so, a lot of pounds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, the only thing I could tell you is that uh, the workouts were just that intense. Um, we would lift, we would push sleds every day, and then we'd run every day. And the running, the lifting, everything was just to a higher degree than what I was used to. And then, um, uh, I it, this is the first time like I ever really gotten to protein. And I'm not even I'm not really big on protein now, but back then we got a uh, little protein packs after every workout. And so I think that's kind of what really helped me gain weight. And it, the main thing was it wasn't a sloppy weight. It was 
you know, muscle. It wasn't, you know, just it wasn't just fat, but it was. I think it was a good a good weight. Yeah, because I I know I think this year you played it was it two seventy five. I think was was listed online. I'm going to expose my coaches a little bit. So I actually never weighed. I've never weighed in and played at 270. The most I've ever weighed at was uh, 265. But um, during the season this year, um, I, I played mostly at around like 258-ish. So this is kind of one of the lighter years for me. But, yeah, I, I, I was never 270. <laughs> okay. Well, but, I mean, but I, I've, been, I've been told that, you know, when I put pads on, I kind of – grow and I seem a lot bigger than I do like in practice so maybe, maybe I did look 270 out there yeah, well I know online that you listen <laughs> 275 I was like wow Dante's really yeah, big no. <laughs> uh, now you did mention that that's thing that I, I did not know of until I watched your your, um, your high school highlight tape last night and I was surprised the first highlight was you just laying the wood to somebody. So now tell me, which position did you like the most, though? Did, is it is it receiver? Was it linebacker? Was it safety? Is it H-back? What, what position do you personally like the most? So right now, I would probably have to say uh, tight end. I will admit I do miss defense and, um, like, hitting people. I, I do miss that. But I think – you know, just at the different stages of my career, I liked that position better. So when I played safety, that was my sophomore, junior year, and a little bit of senior year. And so I think with my sophomore and junior year, I feel like that was just more of a fit for me because I wasn't that big. Uh, back then I was probably like 285, but I was taller. So I was kind of on like the smaller end of things. And so then as I got bigger towards my senior year, I, li- I think I liked linebacker more. And then once I got to college, I felt I got bigger to where I couldn't even play those positions anymore. So I feel like I feel like just the point of where I was in my career, um, those different positions fit me better. But now, if I had to pick one that was like probably the most fun, it would probably have to be a linebacker. That was probably the most fun that I had playing it. Not that don't that playing Titan isn't fun. It's just Titan's probably the hardest that, mm-hmm. that I've had to play. Now, what 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 makes playing Titan hard? So, the way that Titans are now is you have to be able to run block, you have to be able to pass block, and you have to be able to run routes just as good as the receivers. And so, for me, like my background being a receiver, running routes, you know, was not really hard to me. Now, it does start to now because, you know, people are a lot faster, but actually running the routes isn't that hard to me. Um, blocking, that was something that took a lot, a lot of time for me to really get because, I mean, I've never really had to block like that, especially to the college degree where, you know, half a step, you know, six inches means the world's difference on you getting a block. And so when I first got to UCL, that was one thing that we drilled and drilled and drilled a lot was blocking, hand placement, all that type of stuff. And so it's just, you know, with there's certain plays that we've had where if, depending on where I'm aligned at, it could be three different assignments. And so just being, just knowing like what you have to do and how it can change makes it the hardest. You still have to be big enough to help in the uh, run block. There have been times I've had to block DNs by myself, pass pass pro on DNs. If they twist, I'm getting stuck with you know defensive tackles. But then there are other times where I'm running routes and I'm getting matched up with safeties and corners. 
And so, I mean, I could be a little bit biased, but I think Titan is one of the hardest positions to play just because of all the things we have to do and have to do at a high level. Um, now, how has your experience, though, because you, you mentioned that because you, you obviously played defense in high school. So how has that kind of helped you uh, on offense? Because you kind of now know what to expect a little bit from those couple of positions. So um, I think, honestly, safety helped me out a lot because understanding uh, coverages and leverages helped me to be able to run my routes better. Um, I know that depend on, like, how my route is, if I need to take it shorter, like, how I need to bend it, like, that sort of thing, how, um, like, just the leverage, how I need to run things. I think that's one thing that actually benefits me better. And, um, like, just adjusting your routes on the fly, like, while you're in, like, the route and running, you have to be able to look and see what all people are doing. And so I feel like safety actually helped me out a lot with that. Um, Actually looking up and trying to look for things like foot stances, uh, depth, um, looking at the whole field because if, you know, like people can be playing two different coverages on the two different halves of the field. So I have to look at the backside or the front side too while I'm looking at the people who lined above the top of me. So I feel like safety helped me out a lot, you know, with understanding coverages and things. Uh, now, you know, you, you, you mentioned how tough it was to, to learn the blocking. So I imagine the redshirt year was needed for you, but at the same time, how, how tough was that going from, you know, here you were playing nearly every snap in high school to now only really practicing and kind of, you know, standing there on the sideline on game days. How, 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 how tough was that? And what was the, I guess, adjustment period from high school to college like for you? So, um, yes, I needed to redshirt. <laughs> I was just, I am the epitome of, I was just so raw and I needed to retro. I think now most people want, don't want to retro. They want to play instantly, which that's a good mindset to have because, you know, you want to be competitive. But I know for me that I need to develop a whole lot more in my position and with my body too because, you know, 35 pounds is a lot of adjustment. <laughs> and so being redshirted, um, it was tough. That The defense we had back then had – that was probably – the five years I've been here, either the best or second best defense we had since I've been here. And then also back then we would, we had one-on-one pass rush, like pass protection against our linebackers and our linebacker core back then, they were just unbelievable. Probably the best linebacker core. They were big, strong, physical. They could cover, they, you know, headhunt. Like they were, they were what you want from linebackers. And so I had to deal with that. Then when it came to blocking and like I'm pulling, you know, I'm still kind of young, fresh guy out here and they, you know, taking practice here is how they should because they're getting ready for the game. Just laying into me, just letting me have it. And so over the course of my redshirt year, you know, I think I actually caught up to where, you know, I wasn't just getting, you know, picked on and bullied as much as I was. And so, you know, I think redshirt, I think people need redshirt because it's also a humbling experience. It gets you time to catch up and adjust to college because, you know, you go from high school where, you know, kids are just barely hitting puberty to now you're playing against grown men. You know, I'm 23 now and I have teammates who range from, there's very few 17, but 18, 19 year olds and I'm 23, you know, that's a big adjustment from high school. And so I think one of the biggest adjustments for me was just adjusting to the speed of college, the physicality of college, um, having to bring it every play, because if you don't, you will get embarrassed and exposed. So that, uh, 
the conditioning. That was probably the biggest thing. And like, that's why I tell recruits now is you have to, like, you have to run. There's a different expectation and level of running at the college level versus high school. Um, and this is gonna sound crazy, but in high school, I played both ways and like, yeah, I would get tired after a while, but you know, I could, you know, kind of push through it. College, you know, if I stay in for two two series, you know, I'm I'm tired. Like I'm more tired than what I was in high school playing, you know, both sides and I'm on and I'm getting to sit out. And I think that's just an attestment to how intense you know, the games are. And practice is even worse because, you know, practice, you don't get the break. You're always on offense. You're always running the plays. And so, you know, I think the conditioning is probably the biggest, you know, factor between high school and college. Um. So condition-wise, then, what did you have to have to change in order for you to kind of get to the level, you know, where you feel like you can compete playing and play out? Um... I think it was really just, you know, the running that we had was way different than high school because high school, um, we never really ran hundreds. Uh, it was really just more kind of 40-yard sprints and the longer days, it was like shuttles, like uh, gassers, what do you call it? I think in college, it was the same thing, just your times were a lot shorter. And so, <laughs> funny story, when I first came, and the workout group I was in, I run, we call it, you know, linemen are bigs, the medium guys are big skill, and then skills are wide receivers and uh, DBs. And so I'm running with the mid school, and I had the third string punter running next to me, this scrawny little kid. He uh, was probably about 5'10", maybe weighed like 180, just, just kind of like a little beanpole. And he was beating me in the sprints. And I'm, I'm looking like, yo, like, I'm supposed to be a tight end. Like, I'm about to, you know, have to run a lot. This is just the punter. He barely has to run. Like, this, this guy is killing me right now. And uh, I think that's what was, what was just, you know, the times were a lot short. It's like you had to get faster. Um. Okay, so – Fast forward now, you passed your redshirt year. Your first college game, tell me what that experience was like. So it was at Pitt. That was my very first college start. <laughs> I was – we had two other tight ends that played, but um, one was kind of more of a blocking tight end, and the other one he was a lot bigger, but, you know, he was still kind of more on the blocking side. And so I was kind of, you know – the smaller, more agile of the two, but still kind of big enough to block. And so going up to pit, it was, it was, it was hostile to say the least. It was, um, man, it was, it was just, it was just way different. And the only thing I can compare it to is like, you know, being in high school, cause our first game in high school was always our rivals uh, Mustang. And so my sophomore year, um, I didn't start, but I played a lot and I just remember because there's 12,000 people at that game. Hmm. And so I, that's only I could compare it to was, you know, being young, like my heart's beating out my chest, you know, being on kickoff return. Like it was just, it was just a whole nother experience. And so um, we ended up losing 21 to seven, I, I believe. And it was, I mean, the score is not bad, but playing, I just felt beat down because 
you know, I didn't I didn't really do too good. Um, I missed a few blocks, you know, kind of messed up the whole plays. Uh, their fans were talking trash. They were talking trash. And, you know, they get beat 7 to 21. It's like, you know, offense, you know, we didn't really do too well. So it just – it was just, you know – really negative on me uh but you know i think it is i think you have to go through those things and so probably had i don't think you get any tougher than being that pit for your first game <laughs> yeah that that's, that's a tough environment <laughs> um okay so 2018 um you guys you got you, you upset uh, top five Northwest Missouri at home. I think he had like that six, seven game winning streak. Uh, can you just talk about what that was like in the moment? Because you started off, I think you were all like one and two. You had some tough losses there. Mm-hmm. You dominated Northwest Missouri. You were shut out the following week, I believe, by Fort Hayes. And then you guys just go on this 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 heck of a run. Um, what was that like? So, um, if you remember, this was, you know, two weeks after um, Derek Loxton had his accident. Mm-hmm. And so, really, that the type of player that he is, you know, people love him. And the time that he was here, you will, I'm not kidding, you will not hear a single negative thing about D-Lock. Everybody who has came in contact with D-Lock, no matter to what degree, has the utmost respect for him, love for him, and truly care about him. And so when he had his accident, he went down. You know, people just found a new purpose for what they were playing for. And so when we went to Northwest, we knew it was going to be a challenge. You know, I've never, you know, played against Northwest. I only watched film on them, and, you know, I could tell they were the real deal. And so one of the first things that I knew, I was like, okay, like we're, we're, we're ready to play was we were coming back from um, our pregame meal and they were, they, they had guys on the field. I don't know if it was a unit or what it was, but they had people on the field. And so we're coming down the steps and like we're, uh, we get to the point where we're at the goalpost and some somebody was like, uh, are, are we going to go like trying to go off towards our sideline and walk around them? And Tyler Stillwell, which he I played with him at UConn, he said, for lack of better words, what are you doing? This is our field. We, we're walking right through them. And so when I heard that, it, it was it just clicked for me. And then we walked right through the middle of whatever it was that they were running. I, I still couldn't tell you what it is, but we just walked through it. You know, I just kept my head straight, like, you know, trying, <laughs> like I wasn't faced by them. But just that mindset coming from an older, experienced guy and just seeing how everybody felt that way. And we had D-Log that we was playing for. I I was I was ready to play. I knew, like, okay, we're – we're about to be in this. We're about to be in a fight. And so then when we were in the game, it's kind of one of those weird, surreal kind of moments looking back at it, but it never felt like we was ever that far ahead of them. You know, even at one point, I think it was like 30, or it was like we were up by, I think, two scores or three scores, but it never felt like that. It never felt like we were just beating them that by that much it just kind of felt like oh we're just making plays we're just making plays and it's like we're like nobody got too comfortable and nobody relaxed and so then by the time you know it gets to the fourth quarter they scored one time and then I think we end up punting to the more we didn't score at all but then our defense goes back out there and I looked up and I was like oh we're we're in control like they have to you know, have to make some crazy plays to really beat us. And then 
our defense, you know, stopped them. Like, they, they drove the field. Our defense stopped them on the goal line stand, and that was to just tie it. And so whenever that happened, that's whenever I was like, oh, my goodness, you know, we just – we just did this. Like, it wasn't, it was one of those things where, like I couldn't believe it that, you know, like it was just so far fetched that we beat them. It was just kind of more of a realizing we did it. Like, then the game, I didn't realize like we were doing as well as we was until the very end. Um, and then in the Champs Heart of Texas Bowl, uh, you, you got up early, you fell down. You actually had the touchdown that sparked the run. Now, I've asked people beforehand, some of your other team, former teammates, what happened in that game? Because that fourth quarter was, I, I don't know if a switch was turned, but it was like touchdown, 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 mm-hmm. game-winning pick. What happened down the stretch in that game that turned the tide so quickly in you all's favor well um one thing people don't know is offensively we end up having our starting center nick george he went down and then uh maybe our left tackle blair jacob blair i think he might have went down too and so part part of why we were struggling was because we had to find the uh right fit at the fit out our own line and so we had we were switching guys trying to find the right combination and so what we ended up selling on was we had to play um a walk on alex eichler and this was the first time he was going to get any type of game experience and this moment when you know we're down by a lot and so i feel it was one series we get in i think we go down and get a field goal and you know things went well we drove the field we converted and i was like okay you know this like we're, we're gonna be all right and so then after that it just kind of clicked we just started we just started making plays that we missed in the in those quarters where you know we got down and so then you know dustin baskets you know that was one of our main receivers that year and you know db just does what db does he was a smaller kind of shifty guy he uses speed and he had two touchdowns i think and then the last touchdown to put us up um it's a uh, it was a cover two beater that we had and where I run a 10 to 12 yard dig to try to get the safety to bite on me. And if he bites on me, that means that the corner is manned up on our outside receiver. And that was uh, Mikhail Hall, which Mikhail Hall was a 6-2 guy, which he, he could just absolutely run. And so whenever they called this play, I told him, I said, we called him Jiffy. I said, Jiffy. I'm running this as hard as I can. I need you to make this play. And so whenever we ran it and I seen the safety bite down on me, I instantly knew it's not going to me. I know it's going to Jiffy. And so I ran my route and I just see the ball go. And then I turned and I wasn't expecting Jiffy to, you know, break loose how he did. I was expecting him to catch it. And then, you know, we were going to continue the drive. And so I look and like, I see him keep going and keep going. And now he scored. And then it was, oh my God. Like, that was a great play. And and so then we go up and, you know, it's still not over because they scored a lot of points too. And so then our defense, you know, there was just a lot of older guys who were experienced, kept their calm, you know, didn't panic. You know, they just, you know, cool, calm, collected. They just made their plays. And so when it came down to the final interception, you know, we had them – we knew it was going to have to be a Hail Mary for them to try to, you know, tie us. And so then uh, Cole Lindsey, which, again, that's part of one of those linebackers that, you know, really bashed my head in my freshman year. But, you know, 
he just he just made a play and after he did that I think the time ran out and then I, I if you look at some videos uh, you can barely see me but I put my helmet on because I'm thinking oh like we still have to go on offense <laughs> and it's just how it's just how young and you know kind of unaware of situations I was back then but I put my helmet on and like I started seeing people you know cheering and I'm kind of like but why, why are we cheering like we there's still time left and I looked up and then there wasn't time and I was like oh that's why and so um then after that we started seeing like tweets come out uh it was that was a far drive for us it was I think seven hours and so the whole ride home I was just thinking you know great game and I'm glad we won because this would have been a long long drive back to Oklahoma <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah I, I remember watching that I, I was stunned I was like whoa that that happened um then in 2019, it, that was an injury plague year for a lot of your teammates. I think towards the end, I remember when I was doing the podcast, listing off the injury report, and I felt like it was a never-ending list. How 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 tough was that season? Just from a standpoint of, you know, you're seeing guys, key contributors that was in and out. How tough was that from a, I guess, like consistency standpoint, and just after the year before um, to kind of go through what happened in, in 19. So with 2019, um, it was a very difficult year just because, you know, we felt as though we had talent behind what we had. I've, offensively, we had experience. We had, you know, older guys. We had, we just had talent around us. And for whatever the reason was, it was when it was time to make plays and, you know, time to really click for us, we just didn't get that click how we had the years before. And I, you know, me being here, 2017, I was registered. They went on a, on a win streak. 18, we went on a win streak. And so in 19, you know, when, you know, things usually click for us it just didn't and so there were there were games then that you know we felt as though we lost it by what we did and didn't do versus what the other team did to us um there were games where you know we got we got our bus whooped northwest they whooped us that game probably because of the year before um it was it was just a very difficult year because we felt as though we were underachieving. Huh. We were. We felt as though we were just underachieving what we could have been because that time we had then, you know, I felt as though we could have been, we were making the right moves to be top contenders in the conference. And then whenever we started losing games, dropping games, and then whenever we weren't, you know, it just kind of like really set in. I feel like that makes it worse because, you know, we feel as though we could have been, but we weren't. And, you know, in our league, if you lose two games, you're not going to the playoffs. And so I think we lost two games kind of early on. So from that point, it was just, you know, our, our, I think our mindsets, like as look, as far as looking for like the season, like playing on, like trying to play for more games, it just kind of, you know, it just kind of changed. And so then after you lose, you know, three games, four games, you're probably not going to a bowl game either. And so then it came down to that last game. And I think it was Emporia mm -hmm. and we lost. It just it just hurt a lot more because that senior group was, you know, guys who had been there since I was red shirt, Tyler Stillwell, you know, I played with him in high school, you know, he was here with me all these years. And I just felt the most bad for those guys because 
we underachieved so much and this is how they're going to leave their football career as on a team who underachieved, who had a lot of potential, but just, you know, didn't see it through. So I imagine after that, you know, you're ready. 2020, you was going to come, you was going to rebound. And then the pandemic started and it was like the first three or four games was canceled, but you still played like seven games and then that got canceled. Talk, talk, talk about what that was like and then what it was like not having a season. I'd imagine it was the first time you hadn't played football in quite some time. Uh, what was that like? So uh, I started football when I was seven. And so I've played in that like seven, second grade, I think that's what it was. So every single year from second grade until 2020, I've had football in the fall. And so when it didn't happen, you know, it was just kind of a piece of me was missing because, you know, it's just kind of routine, like this is what you do. And so after the season ended, you know, um, I was doing a lot of running. I was, you know, trying to get back in shape for our winter running whenever we came back. And so then January kind of hits and it's, you know, it kind of started coming out, you know, the pandemic and stuff. And so then uh, I think people, you know, mindset come back then. For me, at least it was, you know, if you go outside and you're st- staying outside for too long, you're going to get COVID and, you know, you're going to die. Like, you've, like that's kind of how I thought of it was at at that point and so people just kind of stand inside our coaches were having meetings over football uh giving us little quizzes we still had classes and so it was just um like it was just a little bit different and so uh you know i was doing my running you know trying to get prepared and then you know it happens that we're we can't come back to school and so it was like okay you know i was thinking at least for this spring, you know, it was going to be all right. And so then in the summer, uh, this was actually the most, you know, time that, you know, as far as like quarterbacks and serious tight ends that we spent together because, you know, we didn't have the spring to develop anybody. We didn't have spring to, you know, kind of try to build the chemistry looking forward towards uh, 2020. And so we were up at the field a lot. We were running routes. Um, I was still running on the side. You know, I feel like we were, you know, really taking uh, the right steps, like getting prepared for the season. And so then, you know, the uh, summer happened. And then when we come back, they were saying, oh, well, you guys will still have a season, but, you know, we're gonna like reschedule some things because I they, they flipped our schedule from what it was actually gonna be. And like they uh they eliminated one game and so then like they think they redrew for like who your opponents were gonna be. So then that happened. Then it was oh, your first three games are gonna get canceled. Then soon after that was the whole season's canceled. And so which I mean I kinda seen it coming, but it was it was really just frustrating for me because um, I have a younger brother. He's 12 now, but at the time, I think he's about 10. And so he's playing Little League. They still had a season, you know. Um, the Oklahoma high schools, they still had a season. Uh, D1, they still had a season. Uh, FCS, they moved to the spring, but they still had a season. JUCOs, they ended up playing some uh, stuff in the spring. I think they had a season in the spring. Like, it was just frustrating because all around me, everybody's still getting to play, but we're not. And so there was some, you know, down negative times with that just because, you know, kind of feeling like it was unfair or whatever. But 
I think it's kind of, you know, a blessing in disguise as far as, you know, to get refocused and to, you know, find find your why. And um, actually at the meeting that I had a quote is because, you know, it really tested you on if you really love football or if you just like playing it, you know, everybody, everybody wants to play for Saturdays, but you know, how, how deep is your commitment when you don't get to play on Saturdays? You know, you're still having to go to school. You're still having to get up and uh, uh, do weights. You're still having to run. You're still having to take care of your body. You know, you, you still have like everyday life and you're practicing, but there's, you know, nothing that you're practicing for. And so it was like, you know, do you truly love the game of football and all the things around it? Or do you just like playing on Saturdays? And, you know, the people who stuck around through that, you know, I can truly say I think that I feel that you love football. You know, we had some guys that, you know, moved on, opted out, are no, are no longer with us. And, you know, I feel like this was with every team, you know, you kind of weeded out the guys who just liked football versus who loved football. Um, then you all you had the you had the one scrimmage game exhibition game whatever you want to call it uh, against San Nazarene. How good did it feel to finally, after all that time off, even though the game didn't count in the standings or anything like that, but just to get back on the field and you know hit somebody other than than each other? It, it felt great. You know, it was a long time coming. Um, leading up to it, you know, we were practicing and preparing. Um, we, we was actually told it was going to be a controlled scrimmage. And the way it was described to us, it was going to be kind of like how it was in high school. And so we didn't, for, at least for me, it didn't seem like we were playing in a game until we get out there. The scoreboard lit up. It was revs, and they wanted to do kickoff. And I was like, okay, maybe it's just because in high school, you do kickoff. You just run down like no one's touching each other. But mm-hmm. they're like, no, this is real. So I was like, okay, we're playing the game. And so we get in the game, you know, credit to uh, SNU. They they went back and down from us. They really brought it, and they were talking a lot a lot of mess too, probably more than you know, teams we usually play. And they they just weren't, you know, backing down. Like, they were taking it as a real game. And, you know, for them, that was their third or fourth, you know, spring game. And this was mm-hmm. our first. And so I feel like there's kind of like a little bit of a shock value of, oh, we're actually playing the game and we had to really, you know, like dial back in. But the main thing that, I, you know, that kind of, it made me mad, but also like, you know, I hope it made people take it serious was we was on kickoff return and we had a guy returning it and he comes down and he gets hit completely blindsided. He didn't see the guy and he gets, you know, knocked out. And it was, you know, one of those like UFC things where like people like lock up and like their arms are stiff. Mm. You know, that was, that's what happened to him. And so that was right before halftime. And so I get mad. So we go into the locker room and I, I, I addressed the team. I said some things to the team and it was, you know, this is not a scrimmage. We're not out of playing patty cake. This is not a, oh, like we get to redo. It's like, no, this is a game and you need to take it as a game because they are taking this as a game and they are playing for something. And so uh, during the game, I only got to play the first quarter. A lot of our first string got to play the first quarter. But the thing is, was we wasn't very deep. You know, we had this, um, we had a lot of red shirts. We had a lot of transfer guys who came in who didn't get a fall camp, who didn't get a spring football. 
uh, a normal spring football, but now they're having to play in the game. And so we just had a lot of inexperienced raw people out there playing. And so the second half, you know, we were switching quarterbacks in and out, in and out. And then when Steph got in there, like we started putting together drives, we started scoring. Um, defense was making plays, um, and so then we get to the point where you know we go to take the lead and we do it. And you know this whole time I'm just on the sideline, like I only played uh, kickoff return. And so then, you know, I'm just sitting, sitting back watching everything. And, you know, luckily it came down to another Hail Mary. Our boys, you know, knocked the ball down and made a play. But then after the game, it was just, you know, we have to take this serious because, you know, we're playing teams we don't ever play. Mm-hmm. And they're not taking it light on us. This isn't a scrimmage. These are games we need to take it as such. And so then the week after that, lean up, we were getting ready to play OBU. And we knew that they kind of had this mindset of being the best in Oklahoma, quote unquote, because they play all the other D2s but us at NSU. And so they had this thing about state champs and being the best in Oklahoma. But it's like we never get to play them to really prove it. And so going lean up into the game, we knew that there was going to be a lot of pride on the line. You know, this game had a lot riding on it. And the night before, I was actually getting ready to go to sleep. And I get a text from my position coach, and he said, hey, tomorrow's game has been canceled. And I immediately called him because he's kind of, I, I was like, like, you're joking, right? He said, no, um, we had people get COVID. It's the whole quarterback room. You know, we don't know who has it. Like, people have to quarantine. Like, we have to cancel this game. And so from, from that, I was just kind of like, we have, like, there has to be some way, like, we have to play this game. It is the night before. Like, how how can we not play this game? Sorry if you hear my dog. But, uh, <laughs> but so there was one option was we could play this uh true freshman he was registered but this true freshman because uh he had a quarantine but he could have played but we would have been out all the other quarterbacks we would have been out coaches like it was a situation where you know we were gonna you know not be at full strength as what we had prepared and you know coaches like you know and we could also give it to the other team too so it was like you know we're gonna have to back out and that one hurt just because you know again it's like it's something being taken away from us and it's kind of out of our control and you know guys were guys were ready to play that game guys were really ready to you know make a statement you know take it as serious as a game as you know the week before we did and so when that got canceled it just kind of hurt but um i think everybody looking past it was like once we got past you know it was like you know it sucks that we didn't play but you know we have a lot looking forward to once we come to the season because mm-hmm. we're going to have pretty much everybody back. And, you know, like we like we were trending in the right direction for things. And then the season opener, uh, Missouri Western, you guys win in um, pretty uh, um, exciting fashion there with the, with the stand at the very end. Um, what was that like? I guess, you know, the, the first game to count for something in, in what, two years, right? So mm-hmm. what was that? What was that like? What was the excitement like before the game, after the game? Uh, just what was that overall experience like? So um, it just felt great to be back out there, you know. Like, again, it was two years since we played a real, you know, MIAA game. Uh, the energy just felt it's just different, you know. It was different than oh, first game in Walnut, now Chad Richardson, but it was 
it was just a new energy because now we were back. And so um, while, while we were playing the game, you know, first half offense, we were just clicking. We were like everything, everything that we needed to go right and that we need to happen, happened. And so the second half when we came back, you know, offense we kind of dropped the ball but defense you know they they really held it together for us to get uh to hang on and get the win um missouri western it's always a close game with us i think if you go back since i've been here um it's been no more than one score as far as like who wins and who loses um in fact 2018 i believe we played at missouri western and we had to actually win off a we won off a safety um we took a safety our punting did and so again that's a one point scored so we only beat them by three points this year and so Missouri Western it's always it's always a close physical game with them and you know I I expected that and so it just felt good to you know start the season off with the win um coming back from you know not having the season it was I feel like it's what we really needed we needed to come out play great we needed to come out and get a win because of you know all the things that we've been through I feel like that's just what we needed um, fast forward to the Ford Hayes game, and that that's, a, that's always another place that's very tough to play at. Uh, you scored your touchdown in that game on a play that I, I don't know what happened. It was like Keats is running around, running around, and he throws it. And the way the camera was, you couldn't see who he was throwing the ball to, and it panned, and then there you were, and you caught it. He, he just walked walk me through that play because it seemed like it was a bunch of running around and then a throw, and then you're in the end zone, and then you're celebrating, and I, I don't know what happened in between. That. So, um, the basic play, I'll just kind of give you uh, my route from I'm winged. And so they had a two linebacker. They ran a 4-2. And so I'm supposed to try to sit down in between the middle of them and either get one of them to occupy me or if they split, you know, it's going to open up for me. And so um, they didn't split. One of the linebackers kind of dropped to me. And so I think Keats was looking at another read. And so then when he came back, that's when he started to scramble toward the right. And so the guy who had came to me and was responsible for me, I think he ran up to try to, you know, like stop Keats from running it. And so when he did that, it wasn't even playing. Like I just started naturally drifting kind of more vertical, like kind of um, kind of got an angle, kind of like a post-ish. And so when I started doing that, and he looked at me, as soon as he looked at me, he just threw it. And I was actually expecting to get hit as soon as, you know, the ball was coming. It just felt like the ball was coming in. It was just hanging in the air for too long. And so <laughs> whenever I caught it, I was I was expecting to get hit. And so I, whenever I catch and I turn, the other linebacker that, you know, he dropped out in coverage once he started to roll, he started to track me. And so, but again, my back is all to this. So whenever I catch it, I see where... The safety and DB where my other two receivers on the opposite side of the formation was that I see them. I looked. I was like, okay, they're not close to me, but I'm still expecting to get hit. And so I was thinking, absorb the hit and then thinking, like, what's next? And so whenever I looked back, he wasn't as close as I thought he was. And so then um, I stiff-armed him because, you know, that's like one of the main moves I have is just, you know, a stiff arm. Mm -hmm. And so whenever I did that and I looked, I was – you know, pretty much at the goal line, it was, I just scored, like I just made a play. And so it was, it was really just, you know, a broken play. Keats just, you know, finding me open. And then just, you know, after that, just making a play. Um, again, it was uh, this past season, there was a lot of like one score, two score losses for you all. I know the Central Missouri game was really tough. 
Um, and then shortly after that, the man that recruited you, Coach Bobek, he decided to step down. What was that? What was what was that like? Because obviously the season just ended. Um, it was a tough loss. Uh, I know you guys had had hopes for the season, and then shortly after he steps down, and it's kind of that unknown about you know who's going to come in. Um, just talk about what that period was like. So, um, again, I just thank you to Coach Bobek um, and the staff that, you know, back in 2017 for, you know, coming out to recruit me because, you know, at UConn, I didn't play tight end. I went 0-10 at UConn, so we weren't that great of a team. And, you know, them just taking a shot on me and just saying, hey, we believe you can be beneficial to us at a position you never played. We want you to come with us. And so just... I'm forever grateful for them giving me that shot to come and continue to play football, get a college education. Um, and so whenever he decided that he was going to step down, at this point, you know, everybody from whenever I first got here has was gone. Even the trainer, the head trainer we had, he was gone too. And so it was, it was a sad, difficult moment. Um, I'm actually thankful because uh, we usually had these uh, senior banquets, and so we didn't we didn't get to have that. Uh, we kind of had to stop that because of COVID. Mm-hmm. But before we left to go to uh, Central Missouri, he you know talked about all the seniors that were graduating, and so we got to we really got to share uh, a moment as far as you know, getting to honor the seniors that had been here. You know, this was my class too that, you know, I was supposed to graduate with. Um, there was guys, you know, that my best friends that are going to be at my wedding. Um, there was, you know, a particular individual, Seth Carmack. I've known him since we were little kids. We actually played Little League together. And then we played at UConn one year, but then he moved to Bethany. And then we lost contact for you know, middle school and high school. And then, you know, we reconnect as soon as we get to, you know, UCO. And it was like, you know, nothing ever happened. You know, we were still close friends, you know. And so he was one of those guys. D-Lock was one of those guys. Keats, uh, Calhoun, you know, just guys, you know, I had been in the program with for years and years and years, you know, that I love and care about a lot. We got to share a moment, you know, as far as honoring them. And, you know, I'm really, I'm really grateful that we did and were able to share that. But, you know, after the game happened, you know, he told us that he was going to step down. Um, it hurt, but it was definitely understandable for the reasons that he gave. Um, you know, I think, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. It was it was kind of, you know, this moment, like, I again, I couldn't believe this happened because, you know, Nick Bobek, this is, you no know, played here at UCO, was a GA, came back, has been the, co- the coach for 10 years or finna be 10 years. And so, you know, for him to step down, it's just like, yo, like, this is, this is, everything's going to be different now. Like, every coach from when I was here is gone. He's gone. This is, this is going to be different. And so the, we had a few people in admin come and talk to us, you know, a couple of days after he gave us the news, and they just pretty much told us, you know, we're, we're going to do our best to hire someone we feel fits UCO, and we're, and the main thing they told us, like, we're going to hire somebody who's a winner. We're not looking for someone who's you know, inexperienced or new. We're looking for someone that's going to come in and has been proven a winner. And so they told us that, you know, they 
they're going to do their part as far as an administration to bring in the best fit for us. What we need to do as players is do our best part to finish the school year out. So that way, you know, there's no negative marks against, you know, like for the new coach coming in and looking at you and doing your part as far as players. And we'll, we'll take care of you guys. And so whenever they announced, you know, Coach Dora was coming, you know, you immediately look up like, you know, who's Coach Dora? Three national championships at Northwest, you know, Northwest was voted, you know, the the D2 team for the 2000s. And he was a part, he was the main reason for that. And so we get this coach coming in and it's, you know, I think it was a home run, you know, what better coach to get from someone who's experienced has won and not only experienced the one, but in the toughest conference in D2. And so when they told us that Coach Doro uh, was coming, you know, it was kind of like a new excitement for the team. And then, you know, Coach Doro, he came in a couple of days later and addressed the team. And the first thing he was telling us is, you know, I'm not trying to run anybody off, you know, that's not what I'm trying to do. Uh, so just believe me that that's why I'm not like that's my intentions. And him and the new staff, they've just been very respectful as far as, you know, the transition period from the old staff to the new staff. And I've, you know, they've just been, you know, very, you know, intentional as far as, you know, some of the guys, you know, we were with the old staff, you know, three or four or five years for me. You know, it would have been it would have been six come back this next year. You know, they've just been, you know, very just respectful of the situation. I feel like they've been handling it the right way. Now, every time there's coaching change, we'll just leave regardless. So I'm, did that ever cross your mind, transferring or 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 were you determined regardless you was going to stick it out and finish your time as a UCO Bronco? So um, I actually at the beginning of the season, you know, I didn't know whether or not I was going to take my COVID year. And during the middle of the season, I actually told Coach Bubek, you know, this is going to be it for me. You know, I feel like this is just what's best for me. And then um, just kind of sitting on that decision, it just didn't feel right for me. Um, there was a lot of people who I knew was going to come back. This, and this is before we knew Coach Bubek was leaving. This is There was a lot of people who I knew in the program that, I had a lot of personal relations with and you know this is honestly a once in a lifetime thing you know usually you get your five years and you're done but you know you get an extra year to play I was like you know what I, I want to come back I want to spend another year with these guys and so uh I knew for me, I wanted to come back to UCO and play with these guys. Um, whenever there was talks of, you know, transferring and stuff like that, um, it did kind of cross my mind a little bit, but it didn't go too far because, you know, I'm almost done with my degree. If I do transfer, you know, I could lose credits and, you know, you know like it could stop my uh, education. I, I'd probably have to go to school for, you know, possibly two more years. Um, wasn't looking forward to that. Um, getting back on scholarship you know i'm leaving a situation where i'm on scholarship to you know try to walk on somewhere for a year or a semester and not be on scholarship you know i i just felt like it wasn't that wasn't it wasn't very a very smart move for me and so just kind of looking at my options um i figured you know this this is what this is what i need to do i need to like the best thing for me is to come back to uco 
And so now you're one of the elder statesmen on the on the on the team here. Uh, <laughs> now I kind of looked up to you in leadership role now. So what 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 do you I guess what are your what are your goals for this coming season and what do you hope um, to accomplish? So um, with the new staff, we are preaching, you know, being tough, being selfless and being disciplined. That's kind of our core values. And so um, I think that, you know, the team is really buying into that, embracing that. So the first thing is, you know, trying to build a new culture with the new staff and be uh, different and new UCO than what we were before. Not saying that it was bad or worse before, but just being a different and new one. Um, so that's one of the first things is we have to we have to build our culture up. We have to you know get into the playbooks all over again. You know this is like going to be retroed where you don't know any of the plays like how you did before, and so you know getting back into the playbook. Um, as far as you know team goals. I want us to really, you know, embrace being selfless and playing for each other and doing things, you know, not just for your um, achievement, but for the team's achievement. You know, if you have a job to do, it may not be the best job or the job you want, but because the team needs you to, you need to do it. And so um, obviously national championship is a goal for, I think, every program. If that's not what you're looking forward towards, then, you know, kind of, I don't know. But I feel like that's everybody's goal. Um, personal goals for me, you know, I would, I would, I would like to be an All-American. Um, I think I'm definitely gonna have to put in more work and a lot of uh, different work than what I have years before. But you know, personally for me, I feel like that is something that's achievable for me. Um, I think with the new coaching staff, I feel like they are. I think they will be able to help me reach that. And, you know, that's just kind of the goal I've had since I've been in college, you know, because, like, that's, you know, you're the best, one of the best at your position. And I feel as though, you know, the way I've developed, uh, the preparation that I've had over the years, the preparation that I will need to take, you know, the new coaching staff, just the just the, everything that's in place right now, I feel like that's a very atten- obtainable goal for me. And that's something that I would, you know, like to achieve. Well, um, before I, le- I let you go here, I do this with everybody, kind of lightning round, lighthearted questions. I just, just I got to do this to you. Everybody does it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so let's start off here. What your favorite, your favorite sports team? Sports team, uh, Green Bay Packers. Um <laughs> Right, right, right. It's, it's still sensitive over here, but uh, but no, Green, Green Bay Packers. Um, it, my favorite color is green. So, like as a kid, uh, my dad bought me and my brothers uh, Madden 2005 with Ray Lewis on the front, mm-hmm. and I remember just scrolling through the teams and I seen Green Bay. And I like the green, so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna stick it out with you guys. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, favorite food. Food. Um, oh, that's tough. Uh, I really like seafood. Um, I'll, I'll pretty much eat anything. Um, I'm not really a big fan of bell peppers and onions. Um, but outside of that, you know, I, I think I'm willing to try anything. But yeah, probably probably seafood. That's probably my favorite food. Uh, favorite TV show. 
Ooh. I, I got a lot. Um, Last Chance You, that's always one of my favorites. Uh, I'm currently watching Dragon Ball Z right now, re-watching all of that. Uh, I've gotten to a show called The Rookie, um, All-American. Uh, what else? Snowfall. I got, I really see starting that and I really like Snowfall. Um, man. There's a lot. I couldn't just pinpoint it to just one show. <laughs> uh, favorite musical artist? Uh, ha- half have to be J. Cole. Hands down, J. Cole. Uh, new J. Cole or old J. Cole? Or both? I- I'm going to be honest. It's probably old J. Cole. But, and again, this is an argument I've had with my dad. I think, you know, the nostalgia plays a factor of, you know, being just growing up to it. And so I feel like if you were to ask maybe people younger which J. Cole they would like, they'd probably say the J. Cole now because, like, that's just what they've grown up on. But for me, probably probably the old J. Cole. I have to say, uh, For Your Eyes Only, that there's, there's only a few albums that I can listen to from top to bottom and never skip. Uh, for Your Eyes Only is, is one of them. Um, your favorite hobby outside of football? Oh, this is going to be bad. So... Um, I actually don't have hobbies. Uh, you know, I think I'm kind of you know, the epitome of, you know, a football player. But, you know, for me, it was like it was always just sports. Whenever I didn't play football, I was playing basketball. So sports have kind of, you know, consumed me to where, you know, I haven't really figured out, you know, an outlet for me. But um, I would like to, you know, start learning to play the piano kind of once I'm done playing football. Um uh, I like uh, I like podcasts. I really uh, there's a podcast called Busting with the Boys, and so um, which they're uh, two NFL guys, and so I've kind of liked them and the people they brought on. So um, kind of like the whole, the podcast because I mean, pretty sure as you can tell, I like to talk. So um, I think uh, podcasts would probably be like another like hobby I'd want to get into. Um, do you have a, pre- a pre- pregame ritual, pregame routine you do? Uh, so this is kind of more before workouts, but, you know, usually workouts are very early. Our workouts are at 530 this year, which that's new. But so driving up to a facility, I listen to two songs every single day to start my morning off and it's uh, still tipping. And um, <laughs> Wayne Story uh, by King Vaughn. So those are two songs I listen to um, as far as pregame. uh as long as it's not country music, you know, I can listen to any and everything. I think country music, I just don't get how people get hyped to it. I can't. But, uh, <laughs> um, so the night before, I will drink one full Pedialyte to go to sleep. The morning I wake up, I drink another Pedialyte. Um, depending on when the game's at, if it's at seven, I'll drink another one. If it's at one, then uh, I won't because I just drank the one. Um, then I will drink, like, we'll go out for pregame and we'll come back. I'll drink half of that Pedialyte, the last Pedialyte that I have, and then go out for the first half, come back for halftime, and I'll finish that Pedialyte. Um, what else? Uh, I guess no, another ritual is, like, uh, which this was from high school, I always wear uh, tights. Um, I always take my wrist, even though I don't have bad wrists. I 
it's just always a thing we did at UConn. Like, it just looked cool, so I just kind of done that. Um, and then I wear a towel over my uh, left butt cheek. I don't know why the left one is it, but it has to be the left one. Uh, yeah, no, th- that's kind of like, you know, kind of pregame things that are always a, a must for me. Those, are, those always have to happen. And then finally here, is this it for Aaron Rodgers? Because I know as a Packers fan, I don't know if you sold on Jordan Love as the guy, but, but I had to ask, in your opinion, is this it for Aaron Rodgers in the Green Bay uniform? In my honest opinion, I'm going to say yes. Because one contract wise, if you look at it, they they have a whole lot of people to try to bring back. And I just don't see it working out to where, you know, they can bring back Aaron and then everybody back. So I feel like they would probably have to let him go to try to at least get most of those people back. Um I yeah, I just I just don't think he's gonna come back. Uh if he does come back it's it's Super Bowl bust. I'll say that for him. It, that's I feel like that's definitely his mindset going into it. So is 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 Jordan Love the guy? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I'm I'm gonna be optimistic. I feel like he has great potential, and it's like you know, you had Brett Favre, you drafted Aaron Rodgers, gave him what a year or two to develop, and then he became the guy. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers was the guy. You draft Jordan Love, give him a year or two to develop. Let's hopefully see if he becomes a guy. But, you know, I'm definitely Aaron Rodgers. That's my guy. You know, I definitely uh, would rather see him as the quarterback just because, you know, you think of Green Bay, it's Aaron Rodgers. Like, that mm-hmm. is the first, you know, name. Him and Devonta Adams. Those are the two names that come to mind. And so, you know, I hope he comes back. If he doesn't, it was a great ride, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dante, I appreciate you taking time this morning. I know it's always busy as a student athlete here in the in the middle of the semester, but uh, I'm really looking forward to the season here. Uh, spring football should start a couple of months, sign days next week. So, you know, well, you'll, you'll be you'll be you'll be back to you know hitting people and you know teaching <laughs> so, freshmen how to practice and all all this good jolly stuff. Now that you've been through the ringer, but uh, I, I do appreciate it. You're more than welcome to come on again uh, at any time. I was kind of surprised. I Actually, when you uh you you, you DM me there, I was like, oh wow, okay, good. I'm glad to see, <laughs> you know, the support is there. That often we feel good, you know, when players, you know, they're, they're watching, they have the content, and, and you took the extra step. You kind of like invited yourself on. I said, okay, fine. I'm not gonna, you know, deny an opportunity here. So you know, I was <laughs> glad we actually, were able actually, to actually. Uh, well, because you added me on Twitter, so like it notified me. I was like, you know, what is this? And I watched the whole. Uh, YouTube video and then I went back and watched all the YouTube videos and you know I think with us being D2 um, we definitely don't have you know the media coverage as OU or OSU Tulsa has you know the other D1s and so I feel like you know we're kind of the you know little guys you know as far as you know in the football world and so just I know my teammates appreciate too there's you know any person who is willing to take the time and you know cover me and my teammates, um, give analysis and take on me and my teammates. Sports at UCO as a whole, too. Um, I know there are people who take pictures for the teams, you know, that sort of thing. Any media, as far as, you know, surrounding UCO that's not, you know, 
uh, the main, like, you know what I'm saying, like, stream for UCO, mm-hmm. I, I want to be supportive of because, you know, I think you guys are kind of, you know, overlooked at times. And I just want to, you know, just say, you know, how appreciative, you know, athletes at UCO are because of you guys. And um, I also want to say thank you, you know, for allowing me to come on here. This is the, um, you know, first podcast I've been on. Um, so, I just want to say thank you for giving me the opportunity to come on here. And, you know, anytime you would like to like me to come back on, whether that be after this, you know, spring game we have, if you want me to come back on, you know, like once we get uh, in season, you know, definitely, you know, reach out to me and I will, I I'll definitely make an effort to try to uh, come on here again. Well, we, we, well, we, we might just have to make this a uh, reoccurring thing here then. Uh, I don't know. Listen, but, <laughs> hey, I know, I know some things now. I played <laughs> football with you. I played basketball for the longest. I can give you some basketball takes. I, hey, we can make this happen. We might do that then. Okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll keep that in the, in the wheelhouse then. I'll remind me Dante, a, a recurring guest here. But uh, but no, I, I appreciate the kind words. You know, they, they, I've always said, you know, I was skeptical. Um my first game covering you all was for the the, the um, Vista, your uh, redshirt freshman season, and it was the Emporia game. You know the one that Josh Crockett scored the two book conversion all on, on the first. Oh yes, yeah. And so oh, I, I've been hooked. I've been hooked on that ever since. I'm like, man, it's just some quality football. So <laughs> you know, I, I I try my best to try to you know spread the spread the word, and you know people understand that there's good football across all levels. There's good football played in the state. A lot of local guys, you know, are, are on your team. Like you mentioned before, you have teammates. Um, so you know. I, I I tried my best, but but no, we're we're definitely gonna make this uh, recurring Dante McGee on this podcast. It, it, this is gonna become a thing. We'll 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 figure it out. But I I, I, I right. hey, we got something. But again, Dante, I I do appreciate it. Um, I know very busy man. Uh, but again, I, I I wish you the best. I hope you have a good productive spring. Learn the playbook. Um, good you know fall camp good season but i'm still gonna talk again uh before that but again i do appreciate you taking time this morning talk to me and um yeah you got a you got a final a final message any anything you want to say out there to the listeners Marco nation anything uh you know it is d2 but that doesn't mean we're not d1 talent uh you know support all the uso athletics uh I think, especially now, just top to bottom, UCO is the place to be for Oklahoma athletes. You know, if you're not getting that D1 look, UCO is definitely the place for you, no matter what sports you are. You know, I could I could go on and on about you know the accomplishments of the teams, but you know, just just go look it up for yourself how how good UCO athletics are here. All right, well, I'm t- I appreciate it, man. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, we 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 we're definitely gonna take Dante up on that on that. Uh, offer that we're gonna cook something up and we're gonna bring him on after spring, uh, fall camp. There's something because I I did, <laughs> I like the energy, the vibe that he brings. Um, you know, I, I, I we're gonna take him up on that on that offer. Don't worry about that. Anybody questioning if we're gonna take Dante up on that offer? We're going to do so. Gonna get in the lab, figure out the best way to do this. But he he is returning on this on this podcast. You mark my words. Uh, but again, I do appreciate him taking the time to talk to me. Uh, just a great guy. I, I, again, I just I like the vibe. I like the energy that he's putting out. Uh, and so I really did uh, in, in, enjoy our conversation. Um, 
That being said, y'all, we turn our attention to Shining Day, which is next week, February the 2nd. I'm looking forward to that. Again, as mentioned earlier, uh, we will have a Choso Shining Day special. It will not be as long. Again, I do apologize again for the two and a half hour one last season. Uh, but again, for the extended coverage, you're going to want to go over to the Ch- Choso Podcast Network YouTube channels. Last time I'm going to plug this. Uh, we will have a standard one here. I already have a system for how I want to do it here. It's going to be a lot more concise. You're going to get info, so don't worry about it. I'm not going to just, you know, short change you here. But if you want more detail, you go over there. We'll have highlights. We'll break it down more. I already started that process now. Um, so I'm really looking forward to bringing you content on both avenues. Uh, but until that time, my name is Jonathan Goto, a.k.a. Juice Mood. I'll talk to you all later.